today we're going to discuss the recent events with Unity and Iron Source. Hey everyone, welcome to the 60th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and tune in for Game Dev Streams. That's at twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have an open community discord. You can find a link to that in the show notes. And lastly, I just want to say uh, I'm sorry this episode is a little late and I'm sorry to the patrons Uh, This was supposed to be a patron-picked episode topic, and I was just going to write like a current events uh, intro segment for the Unity and Iron Source stuff, but when I started writing, I just kept writing and writing and writing, and soon I had so much to say that it actually would take up the entire episode. So yeah, the next main episode will be the patron-picked topic. It is a genre study on the Metroidvania genre. But for today, we're going to try out a new style of episode, I guess, uh, and we're going to call it Current Events. But before we do that, we do need to do an intro segment. I thought today might be a fun day to play Buff Debuff. If you don't know what Buff Debuff is, it's a game that we play usually on bonus episodes where community members submit usually like one phrase or one word topics I don't really do any research on them. I just kind of go off the top and say whether or not I think they're buffed or trending in the positive or debuffed, meaning uh, I don't really like it or I think it's moving in a negative direction. So yeah, without further introductions, let's start Buff Debuff. The first topic is second person perspective. I think I would call this slightly buffed um, just for its sheer creativity. There's a really good video, and I think the person who posted this even included the video with the post. But yeah, there's a really good video out there on YouTube uh, where they look at a game called Driver San Francisco that actually has a second-person segment of the game. Essentially, you are controlling your car uh, viewed by the car that is chasing you. It's kind of a crazy set of circumstances that actually fits into the story of Driver San Francisco. And yeah, I think it's a really interesting perspective. Um, It can be really confusing, though. So I think it's cool for its creativity, but uh, it's probably not something that you would do like all the time. Like there's a reason why second person perspective isn't popular, and it's because it can feel like really clunky, I guess. It's kind of like, do you remember maybe back in the mid-2000s when the third person camera on like 50% of the games just didn't work or was really weird and was running into walls and stuff like that. That's kind of the vibe I get from second person perspective. It's just too weird and hard to do in most cases. But if you can find a really simple and creative use for it, um, I think it does work. So that's why, in my opinion, it is slightly buffed. Next we have 2D skeletal animation versus keyframe animation. I would say both are buffed, probably. They just have different strengths, so I guess this would be one for you to decide uh, based on your project. 
2D skeletal animation is super nice because it's a little bit more simpler to make animations and you can retarget rigs to other things that share a similar skeleton. In general, it's a lot faster. Uh, it opens up the door for like procedural animation. And yeah, I think even though it's faster, it does have a certain charm to it. It's not like it looks cheap. Keyframe animation, on the other hand, is definitely much harder to do. Uh, just from a work and involvement standpoint. But if you do it right, keyframe animation looks really, really good. You pretty much have total control over everything that happens. So yeah, I guess each has their own uh, benefits and drawbacks. I would say keyframe animation is debuffed if you aren't a good artist. You probably want to go for something more like a skeletal animation. But uh, yeah, there's definitely room for both. The next topic is credit scenes. I think credit scenes are pretty much always buffed. You have to credit the people who made the game, even if it's just yourself and uh, you did everything. For my game Bounce Shot, I wrote my name in the credits probably like 20 times. I put myself in 20 different roles. And it's because I did all those roles in addition to some of the other stuff that I used and I credited the appropriate people. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're important. The players don't really see them that often. And if you want to fix that, maybe you can make something like an interactive credit scene. That's what I did for Bound Shot. It sort of plays out on a TV screen on a level. There's lots of fun games. Like uh, I remember the old arcade games, the arcade shooters, where the credits come up and you can shoot the credits for points. Yeah, I think credits uh, are a automatic thing, like a buff that you should have in your game. And if you want the players to engage with them a little bit more, maybe design some engagement with them. Next we have Easter eggs. I think Easter eggs are buffed slightly, but I do know some people who spend like a lot of time on Easter eggs. And basically that's you spending time on content that most people aren't going to see. So like you kind of have to balance that. If it takes you 20 hours to make an Easter egg, you know, maybe it would have been better to make that Easter egg in five hours and spend 15 hours polishing your game. At the end of the day, if you're doing indie dev for money, like your time is precious and you're going to be spending a lot of time doing stuff. So I like to maximize the amount of time I'm doing things that will be seen by the player. And if only 5% of players see a Easter egg, then, you know, it's maybe not worth a huge time investment. But I do think Easter eggs are really creative and fun to make. Uh, so for that reason, they're slightly buffed. And lastly, we have a Unity-specific question. This will kind of fit good into the main body of the episode today, but it's basically uh, Unity source control uh, system or plugin or whatever you want to call it, their service. Plastic SEM versus the old way they did it, which was called Collaborate. I think Plastic SEM is slightly debuffed and Collaborate was buffed strictly because of uh, the user experience. Collaborate was a button inside the Unity editor that all you had to do was press upload or whatever it was. I think it was like save or something like that. And yeah, there was no like real setup required. It just did that and it made it really easy to work with teammates and especially like if I wanted an artist to come in who maybe knew nothing about the Unity editor or wasn't real technology savvy, even they could figure it out. So it kind of worked for everybody. Plastic SCM, although I have gotten more comfortable with it now, um, I think the setup is just too unuser friendly. First off, when I first tried to set it up, 
it had a ton of errors and ones that were kind of out of my control. Now, granted, I did do it halfway through a project, and unfortunately, the switch from Collaborate to Plastic SCM for Unity happened halfway through a lot of people's projects, and a lot of people had that problem. Now that I've started some fresh projects with Plastic SCM, it seems to work better, and I will say that it does work similar to Collaborate, and once you have it set up, it's pretty nice. You can just upload your changes and you can go back to old change sets or whatever you want to do, have other people work on it. It does work, but the initial setup is a real pain. And I can't see someone uh, without like source control tools experience. I can't see that person just jumping into it and being able to figure it out like they could with Collaborate. So yeah, for that, I think Plastic SCM is slightly debuffed. And yeah, that's going to do it for today for Buff Debuff. I hope you like that segment. Um, I know that people do, actually. We always do it for the bonus episodes. If you want to hear your topic uh, be read on Buff Debuff, there will be a bonus episode this month, and I'll probably start reading them again. So yeah, just go on over to the community Discord, go to the Buff Debuff channel, and uh, write whatever you want to hear. With that, let's move on over to the body of the episode. Today I kind of have a new episode style that I want to do called Current Events. And I originally didn't do any current events for the Game Dev Field Guide because I wanted all of the content to feel sort of evergreen. Like, I wanted people to come back to it in five years and for the information to still be relevant. But Game Dev is constantly evolving, and I don't know if that will be true. Sure, there will be nuggets in five years... Like, I can't imagine the basic principles of level design changing in five years, but I can see the different engines and technologies available to beginner and intermediate devs like the people who listen to this show. And I think to understand those changes, uh, you have to understand, like, key events that have happened. That way you can look at it through a, like, historical lens. You can kind of go back and say, well, this happened and that's why this engine is like this now. So yeah, today we're going to go over the current events related to Unity and their merger with Iron Source. And like I said, it's actually the reason this episode is late. But uh, when this happened, I scrapped the old episode 60 and decided to write this whole thing. So anyways, uh, let's get into it. It's likely if you're on Game Dev Twitter, you've probably already seen discourse related to these current events. I'm going to do a summary of what actually happened, but I just want to mention up front that the reason I decided to do this episode uh, is I think the current discourse might lead new game devs astray. The first thing we should do is get the facts straight and get a summary of what actually happened. So Unity, the company that makes my and many others game engine of choice, acquired or merged with a company called Iron Source. This comes after a few other acquisitions lately, and another one you might have heard of was Unity bought Weta Digital, that's Peter Jackson's like special effects company. But anyways, the acquisition of Iron Source specifically had some devs upset. Now why would they be upset over a seemingly faceless uh, software company? Well, Iron Source's former flagship product before this was a software package, uh, an SDK called Install Core. And the intent of Install Core was to make downloading more than one application to your computer at once uh, simple and convenient. 
But I'll read this quote from the Wikipedia page of Install Core. This is now in quotes. It has been described as crossing the line into full-blown malware, ellipses, and a nasty Trojan. The Wikipedia page also says that Windows Defender, the basic antivirus software that comes with your computer, identifies Install Core as a potentially unwanted program. Now, it's worth noting that, as I understand it, Iron Source isn't actually making the malware, the adware, the viruses, but they did make a super convenient tool for distributing it being Install Core. It's basically the perfect tool for downloading more application than once using one link. So you can kind of sneak in other applications that maybe the people don't want on their computer. There was a lot of accusations specifically uh, about packaging adware with other applications. So yeah, anyways, I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, Install Core is the installer in the SDK that allows you to download more than one application which is a super convenient tool for people who want to do viruses or malware or adware. You would hope Iron Source's initial intent was for it not to be used for adware and viruses, but you got to believe that the people making this uh, are smart people and knew that, you know, that was a potential use case for it. Either way, as of 2020, Install Core was discontinued by Iron Source. So that's the problem that a lot of people have with Iron Source. They're kind of best known for this potentially unwanted program that uh, your computer probably identifies automatically through its built-in virus scanning tools. And you might be thinking to yourself, why would Unity acquire or merge with Iron Source? Well, this may be a big surprise here, uh, <laughs> but it has to do with money. Ever since Unity went public on the stock exchange in 2020, they've been making acquisitions like this to somehow figure out how to make the company profitable. I'll just read you this quote from Casey Moratori on Twitter. This exact tweet was back in May, but Casey says, Unity has now fallen to half the valuation they had at their IPO, has never been profitable, and continues to lose roughly $300 million a year. And I think this tweet sort of answers our question, uh, why is Unity merging with Iron Source or doing these other acquisitions that seemingly don't make any sense? They are desperately trying to figure out how to make their product profitable. And something that I think a lot of people who use Unity only for game dev don't know is that Unity is not just used to make games. It has tons of uses for real-time effects, augmented and virtual reality, casino, slot machines... In fact, in my old day job, we would make engineering and architecture presentations using Unity to show people proposed buildings or construction sequences. I know that there are medical companies that use Unity to make surgery training VR. Unity's even had military contracts in the past. My point is that Unity has lots of avenues to make money outside of game development. And as a game engine alone, it doesn't seem like it's cutting it. So they acquire these companies like Iron Source, who, in addition to Install Core, the malware thing, they also make an SDK for augmented reality ads for game developers. So probably in Unity's eyes, it's not because of the Install Core. That's not what they wanted for. They thought Iron Source would be a good merger for uh, their other packages. So yeah, in my eyes, it seems like CEO John Riccitello is trying to find a way to turn Unity around into a profitable business. And the sort of game engine adjacent uses for Unity 
is where he thinks they should expand. Speaking of John Riccitello, he gave an interview to Pocket Gamer, and to add to the drama of all this, he said some stuff that upset some devs. I'll link the interview so you can read it for yourself, Uh, but here are some relevant quotes. This is in regards to the devs who don't consider monetization in the early process of game dev. He says, It's a very small portion of the gaming industry that works that way, and some of these people are my favorite people in the world to fight with. They're the most beautiful and pure and brilliant people. They're also some of the biggest fucking idiots. And that quote, uh, kind of the end of that specifically, is what upset a lot of people especially on Twitter, and I think that's where a lot of the discourse kind of devolved, which it may be due to the limitations and brevity of Twitter. Uh, The sort of full context, though, I think is missing. Let me read you another quote that I hope puts it into better context. This is from the same interview. John says, It used to be the case that developers would throw their game over the wall to the publicist and sales force with literally no interaction beforehand. That model is baked into the philosophy of a lot of art forms and mediums, and it's one that I'm deeply respectful of. I know their dedication and care. But this industry divides people between those who still hold to that philosophy and those who massively embrace how to figure out what makes a successful product. And with that quote that's a little bit later in the interview, I think you can see what he is getting at. He's saying it used to be that you make the art first and then have the publicist and salespeople figure out how to sell it. The art being the the game. He even says he respects the dedication and care that people who do it this way have for the art form of game dev. But he's making the argument that you have to consider the sales stuff while making the art if you want to be successful. And to that point, I think he's absolutely right. I've said before that if you want to make money being a game dev, an indie game dev, you can't just make any game. Those out there art house minimalist graphics comment on society pieces uh, don't sell as well as just a regular roguelike. That doesn't mean it's worse or shouldn't get made, but if your goal is to make money in game dev, you have to consider that while you are building. You have to consider how are you going to monetize your game while you're making it. And I think that's what John is getting at. Now, he definitely could have chosen some better words to say that. And I think the words he did choose kind of speaks to how he personally sees game dev, uh, which kind of makes sense. I mean, he's the CEO of Unity, so to him it's maybe more of a money thing, which is starkly contrasted to the people who make games for the sake of the art form. And in all fairness, he did apologize on his Twitter for the words that he used. So yeah, when you consider the proper context, uh, I think you can understand he is focused on building a successful money-making product, and maybe that's different to people on the other side who have more of that classic philosophy of make the game uh, first with no consideration for the monetization, but really put your heart and soul into it and make a beautiful art thing. And yeah, I think, I don't know, it's a really interesting conversation that there is that divide in the industry and it's fun to think about like where am I at personally on that but as a CEO I think John Riccitello's lens of how it is is uh, very apparent the nice thing about these two styles or lenses to view game dev from is that they both can coexist in game dev and they kind of have to coexist like if you think about it without the money side of game dev the money focus side of it we don't get the software as nice as Unity for free. 
And you could argue that without the pure art form style of game dev, the boundaries of what video games are and can be are not pushed, and games are worse off when that happens. In my eyes, it's a healthy ecosystem that exists between the two styles. You make the games that make money so tools like Unity can be opened up for free, that then allow other game devs to sort of try the really artsy and cutting edge stuff. Maybe those games aren't a safe play and don't make money, but some of those ideas make it to the mainstream. And then that becomes part of the next wave of games that do make money because it's such a new, interesting, or fresh idea, and it continues the cycle and the ecosystem grows stronger. I suppose that's sort of my uh, lens, the way I kind of view that, the money side versus the art side. And yeah, I don't think it's an either-or situation, I think it's an and situation. I think we all need to think about and consider the fact um, that we use Unity for free. And before we go on to social media and complain, let's remember that Unity has to make money to pay the devs that made the tools that we all get to use for 100% free. And the leadership at Unity think that these game dev adjacent opportunities like advertisement, AR, VR stuff, real-time effects, etc. are the way to do that. And that idea explains their weird acquisitions. I think it's fine to be critical, and I am critical, of Unity's business strategy and the acquisitions they're making, and I think that's where the good discourse is. I remember when the announcement that Unity was going public happened. In fact, I'm such a game dev nerd that the memory of me reading it on my phone in the Reddit app while I stood in my apartment kitchen is like burned into my memory. And I remember having a sort of sinking feeling. That feeling came from the realization that Unity's top priority was going to be its growth and the return to the shareholders. And that may not necessarily be aligned with providing the best experience with indie devs. Or the best experience for indie devs, rather. Because, let's face it, most indie devs do not make a lot of money. And they don't have a lot of money to spend on tools and... I don't know, stuff for their game. And Unity's business strategy of the last two years sort of confirms my fear. Their time and effort and money is being focused on these other opportunities. There certainly is still the game dev side of stuff, and it's still growing and improving by the day, but it feels like their top priority is this other stuff. And becoming the best video game engine specifically is no longer their main focus. What I would have liked to seen is instead of acquiring these other visual effects studios and monetization companies, I would like to see them acquire a double A game studio or maybe a few game studios or a publisher or something. One of my biggest criticisms of Unity is that they miss a lot of quality of life stuff as a game dev because they don't really use their own engine to make games all the way from start to finish. Like, Unreal Engine is used by Epic Games. They made Fortnite with their own engine. And all of the knowledge and fixes and tools they discovered while making that successful game, eventually all that information and, I don't know, assets go into the main engine for everybody to use. Not to mention they made a ton of money from the game, so it's sort of a win-win scenario for everyone. Unity, on the other hand, actually did have an in-house project and a game dev team. The project was called Gigaya. I think that's how you pronounce it. But unfortunately, it was canceled and most of the staff let go. And that was only a few weeks back. And that's where I think I'm most critical of Unity's business strategy. 
Like I say in game dev, you have to play to your strengths. And when I started with Unity all the way back in 2013, its strength was that it was a super strong game engine that you could use for free. There really wasn't any other game engine as good as it at the time that you could also use for free. Maybe Unreal, but this is going kind of far back. I, I can't remember if you had to pay for Unreal back then. But yeah, it just seemed clear to me that Unity was the top dog, and that's why I started with Unity. It was easily the best option for indie devs, and it was clear to me then that uh, this was like an exciting company that was trying to build the best game engine they could. And it was really cool that they were kind of opening it up for free to everyone. It kind of had a similar feel that Godot has now. And moving forward uh, from now on, that's not the way Unity feels anymore. It kind of feels like they're diluting the strength they originally had with all of these other opportunities. Now, with that being said, maybe there's some room for them to expand. At my last job, I think I mentioned that I did use Unity uh, for like presentations and construction stuff. And we got pretty into the augmented and virtual reality non-game applications for that. And for me, uh, Unity was definitely the best software to make those engineering and construction 3D visualization applications. So yeah, maybe their growth in the space can aid the growth to the actual game engine. Maybe all of this will work out. Or maybe Unity will just sort of become a thing that you can make games with in addition to other stuff. And if it goes that second route, the tools that are trying to be the best game engines will just be better over time. Stuff like Unreal and Godot. I think that they will surpass Unity as the go-to engine for indie devs. And with that thought, I want to talk about what does all this mean for you, the average Unity indie dev. Well, I think on Twitter there was a lot of people that really overreacted to the Iron Source merger news. I think it would be a mistake to not even consider Unity because of a merger that may not even affect you. As much as I am critical of Unity, I still think it's one of the best, if not the best, game engine for new devs to start. It's free, you can do anything with it, and it has great learning resources and a vast amount of information about it on the internet. So yeah, don't get caught up in the reactionary discourse uh, and exclude it from your options. That's kind of the whole reason I wanted to do this episode, was to encourage people to still consider Unity because right now it is still, I think, the best engine for beginner game devs. What you should understand going forward is it seems like Unity's strategy is to not just be a game engine. And unfortunately, over time, I think this will grow the cracks that are Unity's flaws. Long term, this could mean that there are better options out there for you. But that's the beauty of having options. Today, as an indie game dev, especially beginner or intermediate, you will be hard-pressed to find a better engine than Unity. But every day, its competition like Godot gets better and better. That means you can use Unity now while it's still very much a top-tier game engine close to its prime, and in five years when it maybe dwindles, maybe Godot is in its prime in five years and you can switch to that. At the end of the day, making a good game doesn't come down to the tools or engine you use. It comes down to you, your skill set and knowledge of game dev. And if you want to build that skill set, knowledge and experience, you just need to start making games. And Unity at this current moment is the perfect tool for doing exactly that. So yeah, I guess I'll sum up all the main points quickly. 
Unity and Iron Source uh, had a merger or an acquisition. I, I actually don't... <laughs> I keep using those words interchangeably because I don't know, like, the business speak. I've seen articles that say both or either. But the point is they're working together as the same company now. Iron Source kind of has a murky past with its former product called Install Core, which was a very good tool for distributing uh, extra applications. So this could be something useful or it could be adware or malware, stuff like that. But the reason Unity merged with Iron Source was for the other stuff. Iron Source doesn't even make Install Core anymore, but they do make like augmented reality, uh, ad SDKs, and a lot of other monetization things that would be useful to Unity. The reason I think Unity is doing these weird acquisitions is because they actually aren't making money, and they're looking for some way to make the company profitable. You can kind of understand that from John Riccitello's viewpoint. If you look at it from his viewpoint, he did say that uh, people on the opposite side of him are idiots, but uh, I think it was kind of maybe taken out of context, and he maybe used words that he regretted using. It seems like Unity's strategy going forward is going to be focusing on these game-jev-adjacent opportunities, which means in the long term, I don't know if it will continue to be the best game engine. But in the moment, this merger I don't think will affect you if you are a beginner or intermediate game dev. And in the moment right now, Unity is still one of the best game engines to start building your skills. I think its competition like Godot isn't quite up to Unity standards. And so every day that you stay with Unity and use it in its prime is another day that Godot improves and maybe in the future it will be an easy switch and I think that is a likely outcome with Unity's current business strategy. So yeah, that's going to do it for the episode today. You'll have to let me know if you like this current events style of episode. It's not something that I originally was going to go for, but like I said, I think this is um, a moment in time where we can identify what is going on with Unity and you can still come back to this in the future and say, oh yeah, that's maybe in five years. You'll be like, well, what engine should I choose? Uh, and you can come back to this moment and say, oh, well, that seems like a good argument for Godot because now it's had five years to mature. Or maybe Unity totally turns it around and we can use this episode to identify that was the moment when Unity kind of made a misstep and that's the stuff they fixed and that's why it's a good game engine today. I don't think I'll do this style of episode very often. I'll probably wait for, like, very monumental things to happen. But, uh, yeah, let me know if this is something you liked or if you'd rather just go back to the sort of evergreen academic game design, game dev content. I like doing uh, both, really, but I want to provide the most value to the audience. So, yeah, just let me know if you want to hear more current events maybe in the future. The best way to get a hold of me to do that would be on Twitter at underscore Zachavilli underscore or on our community Discord. There's an open invite link in the show notes. And yeah, maybe you have even some more thoughts about this. A really good place to talk about that would be to show up to my Twitch streams and talk about it in chat. That's a really fun time to, I don't know, have like discussions with people uh, because inevitably with game dev, you're going to do something tedious. 
And when I'm doing something tedious, I don't know. I like to have discussions with chat. So if you have thoughts, uh, maybe come to one of my streams. That's on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern at twitch.tv slash underscore. With that said, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli, and this won't be the last time I will be called a fucking idiot in game dev. I can pretty much promise uh, everyone that. (laughs) 